The ultimate thrill for a comedian is to kill. To be so funny that the crowd hangs on every word, laughing at every punchline. In 1958, a beloved comic who had faded from the limelight performed the set of his life at a celebrity-packed Friars Club roast. But as fate would have it, after he killed, the roast killed him. That's today on Death in Entertainment. Live from Los Angeles. 911, what is your emergency? Here in Hollywood now. Two counts of murder, injury, and death. Oh my God! Shocking new details that has stunned the entertainment world. Um, this makes me a little nervous. The hair stood up on my arms. Just like in the movies. <gasps> what do you call this thing anyway? Death in entertainment. Oh my Woo. goodness, Woo. we got episode four now. Scorcher coming at you. Wow, one full month. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> what is Schnikes. going on, everybody? My name is Kyle Plouffe. My name is Mark Mulcairn. And I'm Alejandro Dowling. And you're listening to Death and Entertainment. My goodness. You sure are. How is everybody doing today? Oh, man, I had the best day of my life today. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know why? Why? Because I was terminated from my job, actually. Wh- wow. Yeah. Goodness gracious, well, great I'm balls. Of- sorry to hear that. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yes. So now I'm ready to talk about death and entertainment <laughs> yeah. now that I just died at my uh, daytime well, job. This is your new job. Yeah. Perfect. I, I like that idea. Yeah, I'm in. But enough about me, guys. What's going on with y'all? Oh, just got back from Las Vegas. Oh. Uh, it stays in Vegas. <laughs> it was an interesting. I, sh- I sent you guys a picture and I'll, we can post it to our Instagram or something. But when I was in the sports book, it was, you know, September 10th when I got there and they were showing in the sports book, they had these gigantic TVs and they were playing every football game and baseball game that was on TV. And then every other TV was the Twin Towers burning. So it was like Ohio versus whoever, and yeah. then, you know, women's volleyball, and then the Twin Towers going down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow. For the kids. The next day was 9-11, and Army did not cover uh, the football spread, and there was this guy screaming. He was a cartoon character. Like, I didn't know this guy actually existed, and he was just screaming, what do you think the terrorists think about this? <laughs> <laughs> he looked. He looked. Seems like he would be in like Mike Ditka's Entourage or something. Yeah. Yeah. But this cartoon character had the best line I've ever heard in my life, and it was just him in the middle of the sports book screaming, "This 9/11 sucks." <laughs> oh my! <laughs> Worst 9/11 ever. Yeah, yeah. I can think of uh, one worse 9/11 though. At well, least one. At least well, at least two because there was one the the Allende in Chile. Oh yeah, uh, there absolutely. Was a, yeah, uh, that coup. was. I don't know what side of that situation the, the, you're the, on, but <laughs> I am yeah, for Pinochet. <laughs> there's a <laughs> Pinochet camp and then there's Allende yeah, camp. Yeah, that that was uh, 9/11. Yeah, yeah, it's 9/11. true. And that for years until 2001, that was the only bad 9/11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we have two. Okay. Oh, man. And with all that, are we ready to go in? Yeah. All right. Let's go all the way back to November 1958. Ooh. Little pop culture flash for you. The top books. Breakfast at Tiffany's by Truman Capote. Truman Capote. That's almost like Michael Jackson. Yeah. (laughs) Capote. A Bear Called Paddington by Michael Bond. Wow, the, that Paddington Bear right there. I yeah, like that. that's what that's what adults were reading then. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. That was the first one in the series too. Wow, yeah. Anatomy of Murder by Robert Travers, very popular book at the time. Yeah, uh, top songs: Tom Dooley by the Kingston Trio. Oh my God, I Hang know down that. Your head, Tom Dooley. Yeah. <laughs> it's only make believe by Conway Twitty. Shout out to Family Guy. Twit heads out there. <laughs> yeah. uh, Topsy Part 2 by Cozy Cole. He was a groovy jazz drummer. Ooh, groovy and Cozy. It, that's that's a hot instrumental track. What were it, people listening to then? <laughs> they were listening to stuff. It was in the 50s, the charts, it's all instrumentals and yeah. old folk songs and ballads. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, top movies at the time, I Want to Live, which is a hit drama about a hooker on death row who may be innocent. Oh, wow. What a dramatic title I and like plot. That mm. pitch meeting, like in 1959, that's getting greenlit. That's that wild. is crazy. Yeah. Uh, Mardi Gras, a musical with Pat Boone. Who doesn't know Pat Boone? <laughs> <laughs> um, who cares? Reli- <laughs> a religious pop singer. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. A lot of, he's also in a Michael Moore. He was in uh, Roger and Me, I think. So. Oh, yeah. He was in yeah. Roger. Me. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. It is true. Oh wow. Yeah, he was like an anti-union like scumbag, yeah. like Reagan kind of like a but like a lesser Reagan where he got involved um to say that the unions are bad, basically. He used to sing about the um the Chevrolet cars on TV. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Basically a car salesman like masquerading as a pop singer or something. Yeah. Ugh. Scumbag. Let's Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Today, the story is about a comedian who died during a Friars Club roast. Mm. And I thought to start things off, we could talk about other comedians that died literally on stage. The first guy, though, is more of a musician than a comedian, but I thought I'd I'd include him because it's kind of fascinating. His name was Spade Cooley, and he was a Western-style big band leader and personality. He had a signature song called Shame on You that went like, Shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> wow, what a weird title for that song. <laughs> and it spent uh, like 30 weeks on the charts in 1945. So that's his wow. big claim to fame. And he was convicted of murdering his second wife, Whoa, Ella, Ella Mae Evans, in 1961. Shame on you, sir. Yeah, he, he was a very <laughs> jealous guy. And he, he was suspecting she was having an, you know, an affair, even though he's cheating on her as well. That's what happens. Yeah, so then she had also told him that she had slept with Roy Rogers years back. The drink? <laughs> no, the the, the <laughs> cowboy. The hotel? <laughs> and so the, these two knuckleheads filed for divorce in March 1961. But then on April 3rd, Spade Cooley beat Ella's head into the ground, stomped on her, and poked her with a lit cigarette to see if she was still alive. Jesus Christ. Jesus. And by the way, her 14-year-old daughter watched. Was there nothing on TV? I don't even know how to respond to that one. It caught me up. He claimed that she fell in the shower. (laughs) Yeah, that's why she has boot marks all over her face. What a guy. And he got life in prison. So, you know, that's not where he ended, though. Wait, so, yeah. In 1969, he was granted a 72-hour furlough in order to play a benefit concert (laughs) for the Sheriff's Association in Oakland, California. Wow. And so he goes- This is when, dude, there was no consequences for any dude. Oh, ridiculous. So he goes and does this- benefit and during intermission after receiving a standing ovation mm-hmm. he drops dead of a heart attack <laughs> Oh, Jesus. while out on a furlough so he got what was coming to him <laughs> I'd like to think so our next guy is Frank Sutton he's an actor who is best known as uh, Gunnery Sergeant Vince Carter on the Gomer Pyle show y'all remember Gomer Pyle of right? of course yeah. Pyle and in 1974 Frank Sutton died backstage at the Beverly Barn Dinner Playhouse in Shreveport, Louisiana. He was performing in a comedic play titled Love, L-U-V. I actually found a poster for that show that was advertising a Father's Day show on June 16th that year, 1974. And on the poster it said, Bring Dad to the Beverly for the feast fit for a king, a laugh-filled play and homemade Dad's Day cake. Dinner and play only seven fifty. Wow. <laughs> what? Little over seven bucks. You get quite a yeah. night of entertainment you and get food. A full stomach. Yeah, you, Could you imagine cake, a dead guy, you get everything. <laughs> so uh, twelve days after that Father's Day show, that's the night that Frank Sutton dropped dead backstage. His uh, co star Elizabeth Ives made the announcement to the stunned people and he was only fifty years old. Jeez. Oof. 
So the play was canceled and replaced with a one-week run of another play called Beginner's Luck, starring Bob Crane. Quint- how, do, how do I know Bob Crane? He it, Hogan's hero. Yeah, he's the uh, one that got killed by. We're, yeah, we're gonna do an episode about him later on. Yeah. Ooh. Coincidentally, it's a play that Crane would still be performing at a different theater four years later when he was found dead himself in his apartment, bludgeoned to death. Please. All right, so our, and the next uh, unfortunate fellow is Joe E. Ross. Not Joey Ross, but yeah. Joe E. Period Ross. Yeah, another no- performer or, st- or comedian to die on stage. Yes. Literally. He, he's uh, another comedic actor, uh, best known for Car 54, Where Are You? Where are you? And actually, he was known for being boorish and kind of a, a wild guy. Could, and- you, could you define boorish for, for, for our <laughs> audience? For the people at home. Just un uncultured crass. Yeah. And according to legend <laughs> That boy is a pig. Sponsors of the show Car fifty four uh were visiting the set one time and so the executives were showing the sponsors around and they happened to pass by Joey Ross's dressing room and the door is wide open and he's sitting there shaving the carrot. Does that mean Literally shaving or jerking off. I like how Alejandro just assumes we have like the the terminology of the novel. I've never heard shaving the carrot <laughs> in my life. This guy's shaving the carrot, I tell you. He has like prohibition era terminology. Terms. Yeah, <laughs> assuming we have them also. Vocab. Yeah. He was buffing the banana. Does that work? He was peeling his carrot. Okay. He was shocking the monkey. Yes. <laughs> that's 80s <laughs> spanking the monkey he was shot the monkey yeah that's a, well that was from uh that was a song from back to school it was yeah the big catchphrase that joey ross was known for is oh oh and coincidentally that's probably the sound he made in 1982 Hello! while he was performing in the clubhouse of his apartment building in van nuys and had a heart attack. Take Van Nuys, right down the street. Yeah, let's go down. Or let's not. The Vineland boys might be over there. <laughs> and Mr. Jay Leno gave one of the eulogies at his funeral. <laughs> Was that Fran Drescher? Or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, I have one noise for like four or five people. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Ross, he was a good guy. Yeah, you know, oh, you know. that was good. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Mavis, what do you think about uh, the good guy? <laughs> Mr. Ross was 67 years old. Rest in peace. Next unlucky dude is Tommy Cooper. He was a magician and prop comedian, a really tall guy. He looked like Jaws from the James Bond movies. <laughs> like really intimidating big guy. Sharp teeth. He uh, always wore a red fez hat. That was his signature. He was a big international star in the 70s, but he came from Britain, suffered from stage fright, was a big alcoholic. According to some people, smoked as many as 40 cigars a day. What? Wait a second. How do you have time <laughs> day? Seems excessive to You me, would have but... to be up 24 hours a day and have three in your mouth at all times. <laughs> well, when you find out what happened to him, maybe it makes sense. Uh, let's hear it. In 1984, he was performing on Live from Her Majesty's. And so, as the title suggests, it's live. You know, like America's Got Talent. Yeah. From Buckingham. And so he's doing his act, and in the middle of it, he collapses and falls backstage right after an assistant helps put a cloak on him. Well, that's the trouble with comedians dying on stage, especially like, you know, the old style ones. People don't know if they're doing a bit. Yeah, they really were (laughs) confused. And so that's why the audience starts laughing. And after some confusion, the producers cut to a commercial break and the show actually continued while they unsuccessfully tried to revive Cooper backstage. <laughs> Is this the one where we saw the video of it? We have the clip here. Oh, we do? Clip. Okay. Have you seen this, Mark? Okay. It's this here's, first yeah, one? This oh, yeah, this is it. Oh, yeah, was, we've seen this yeah, one. Yeah, it was on live television. So here's the clip. So there, yeah, he's, the assistant's putting the cloak on him. The audience is hooting. <laughs> Okay, he's, he puts his cloak on. <laughs> and then, whoop! Oh, my yeah. God. Slumps down. And the assistant even thinks it's a joke. Dude, I want to die like this. Yeah. Just yeah, living, not, and then you're gone. In a fez hat and that No jacket. pain. He's yeah. not... 
really just looks like a fucking doll. Yeah, like I mean, this having a good time on stage. And then a hand comes out to like try to grab him. <laughs> they just and it just looks pulling him. In. Oh my god, this is weird. Yeah, this looks like a bit for sure. Yeah, yeah. and he's kind of making a few weird. But yeah, there's like a stage growls, production but. assistant just trying to pull him through without yes. being seen. This is so weird. Why are they trying to keep the show yeah, going? And now it's going to commercial break after they are realizing something's wrong. And interesting, too, that he didn't scream or shout or. Yeah. That's why when I've seen that, I'm like, please just let me go like that. Yeah. yeah. Very just, peaceful. You're alive and then boom. And you're people not. laughing at me while <laughs> yeah. I'm dying. That That's sounds weird wonderful. Italian restaurant I'd rather hear. The North Shore that you're headlining. Yeah. Prince's Pizza. <laughs> Prince's Pizza. It, <laughs> it's better than dying at the, that barnyard diner in Shreveport, Louisiana. That is yeah. definitely true. Yeah. And for our final performer, uh, it's a guy named Dick Sean. And he was another actor, comedian, was in movies like It's a Mad, 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 Mad World. I added a couple of mads there. Yeah, I thought so. Because I never remember how many mads are in that title. Yeah. But that was a big Hollywood comedy where every comedian basically was in it. And he also played Hitler in The Producers, the original. With the Matthew Broderick one or the The original? (laughs) (laughs) Not the crappy. Oh, the Gene Gene Wilde. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And he was known for counterculture caricatures like hippies. And his stage shows always started with a gimmick like hiding in a pile of bricks or newspapers and then springing up all of a sudden (laughs) and the audience didn't know he was there yeah um he was also known for monologues and pranks and some people say he inspired andy kaufman even one typical bit would be at the uh, roast of tommy chong he vomited pea soup on himself Wait, so Exorcist he ate, stole it. He ate pea soup and then he vomited it onto himself. I think he put pea soup in his mouth and made it look like vomit. Oh, okay. Either way, it's gross. Great bit. And <laughs> in 1987, he was performing at UC San Diego. He was trying out new material. And about 25 minutes in, he starts doing a bit about nuclear war. Oh, like, imagine the world ended around us and all the people that survived are in this theater right now. He's doing that bit. And then in the middle of it, he has a heart attack and he (laughs) falls face down onto the stage. And again, just like Tommy Cooper, the audience thought it was a joke. And some guy even yelled, take his wallet. (laughs) (laughs) That was me. (laughs) Yeah, everyone, I'm sure there's a bunch of Weisenheimers that go to comedy shows. They're like your basic heckler. Yeah. And so uh, people were told to leave, uh, but they pretty much stayed until the paramedics arrived and they couldn't revive him. Uh, And he was 63 years old. Well, that's, you know, he's a little long in the tooth. I'm sure, like, especially in that era, you know, people... Oh, you mean, yeah, back then <laughs> in the 70s, or actually, this is 87. It's is not, it 87? But still, you know, I don't know. I'm not in saying. In the Stone Age, 67, it's sure. like 107. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the oldest person on the But maybe, maybe in 87, it's like 77. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. And now we get to our main attraction a man named Harry Einstein. He was born and bred in Boston, Massachusetts. Get out of here. (laughs) Why does Boston come up so much? Because it's the best. (laughs) Beantown, baby. You're in Beantown. You're not in Framingham. You're in B-Town now, bitch. (laughs) And Harry Einstein, he's a- Get over here. Get out of here. He's a comedian. His heyday is in the 1930s and through the war years, as I call them. Yeah. The early 40s. (laughs) And he started out doing comedy skits on the radio uh, as the bad boy from a good home. Isn't that your- name i'm the good boy from the bad home (laughs) (laughs) same here (laughs) and then later he he started doing radio spots uh, for a furniture company and it was on those radio spots where he created this character known as nick park your carcass (laughs) meaning park the carcass what does that mean like to sit Sit down. down 
Like podcast, oh, like right here. Oh, like sit down and listen yeah. to this horrible comedy. I'm gonna do. Sit for down you. on the wow. furniture, pocket caucus. <laughs> Those Boston <laughs> the audiences love this guy. Yeah. I think the the audiences have changed over time. I'd listen to a guy named Pocky Carcass. I yeah. definitely would. <laughs> I will park my carcass and I'll <laughs> listen. And he would speak in a ridiculous, over-the-top Greek accent using broken English and nonsense disguised as expertise. <laughs> he Basically a total put-on. And in 1935, uh, a guy named Eddie Cantor rolled into town. Eddie Cantor was a vaudevillian song and dance man, and while performing and singing, he would have really exaggerated eyes I've seen, and expressions. I've seen him, um, not like his earlier stuff. Like I haven't seen it live, but I obviously, but I did see um, the show with Steve Buscemi about uh, Jersey Shore. Mm. I don't know if you saw this show, but um, you talking about Boardwalk Empire? Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. There's an Eddie Cantor character in that. Oh yeah, in yeah. Season, yeah. So he, he was. Huge star back in the day. Yeah, he was like before there was um, mustache guy um, Groucho. Before Groucho, Freddie Mercury, (laughs) (laughs) Wilfred Brimley, not Hitler, but the guy who played him. Oh, Charlie Chaplin. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before he birthed basically Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, now Eddie Cantor rolls into town, Bean Town, that is, Mm -hmm. and (laughs) he appeared at a function along with Einstein and I. I have a clip of Cliff Nesterhoff. He's a writer and wrote a great book called The Comedians, just a history of comedy. Oh, that's a big, yeah, yeah that's a big, I have that book, but I, I haven't even cracked it. it it's good. <laughs> You'll like it. They introduced Harry Einstein as a Greek dignitary. And the thing that he said, he pointed at Eddie Cantor and said, I can't believe that these people would laugh at this unfunny man just because he has big banjo eyes you think that's funny in my country this man wouldn't be good enough to shine our shoes you know and just insulting him to his face and Cantor was shocked because everybody had been falling all over him and praising him and all the locals knew uh, Harry Einstein was a put on artist so they started laughing and then finally when Harry Einstein looked at Cantor he couldn't keep the deadpan because he looked so horrified that it was funny and he cracked up they realized it was a joke so Cantor obviously he fell for park your carcasses bit but he found it hysterical and so then uh, Cantor invited him to appear on his radio show as a sidekick of sorts and so Harry would go on to appear. So he's not just a local Boston comic anymore. He's like no, like now international. He's, he's he's in with the, you know, the big comedy people. Yeah, yeah. He's he's entering the big time. And in Hollywood, his professional name was now Harry Park. And we have another clip from one of his movies called A Yank in Libya. Me want British Council. Me American, Mike Malone. Me, Suleiman, Abdullah, Hassan, Mitkail, Ben Stinko, Ben Broke. Also, Ben Eastside, Ben Westside, Ben all over town. <laughs> well, I'll be a three-hump camel in America. <laughs> it's good to see one. Sure, from Brooklyn. No. I ain't advertising this, but my name's Park Your Carcass. Park Your Carcass? Well, what are you doing here? Well, I really meant to join the Foreign Legion to forget. Yeah. But I forgot where the Foreign Legion was, so I wound up here, and now I forgot what I wanted to forget. <laughs> You're Park Your Carcass, all right. <laughs> and that, yeah, that's, that's you. good stuff. Will they ad lib in that? I hope so. <laughs> I, I, something tells me he just transitioned his stage act exactly I imagine to like the a, screen. A, a screenwriter in a coffee bean in LA writing that dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in Studio City, <laughs> yeah. having a muffin. <laughs> yeah. So th- the studio then wanted to team. Harry Park Your Carcass with another comic actor named Joe Penner. And this Joe Penner guy, he was known for doing silly slapstick. He was basically the Pee Wee Herman of his day. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. And he would go on stage with various props and he would say, wanna buy a, and he would say different things. Like, like, you want, you wanna buy an umbrella? (laughs) <laughs> and then one day he brought out this wooden decoy, this duck, and he said, want to buy a duck? And for some reason that caught on. So this guy is known for that phrase. Want to buy a duck? 
Everyone finds their thing. Yeah, and eventually. I'm I'm noticing Sometimes the trend. Sometimes it's smaller and smaller. It, it, it seems like it was easier to be a successful comedian back then because you just needed to say like, oh, oh, or want to buy a duck? Yeah, everyone needed their small. Like Roddy Dangerfield, it, it turned out to be I don't get no respect, which was like, that was huge. Yeah, yeah, right. And it's like the one line they're known for. Can like, we talk? Yeah, exactly. Who who is that? Sebastiano. That's, That's uh, Joan, Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. Oh, Joan Rivers. <laughs> I didn't know. I it's thought it was Sebastiano Maniscalco. Can, Can we talk for a second? <laughs> I'm at Chipotle and someone's doing this. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now let's talk about Harry Einstein. So they try to team him up with this Joe Penna guy, and one of their movies was called New Faces of 1937, which was released in 1937, if you can believe it. Holy shit. I can barely believe <laughs> that it. Was a, that's a musical comedy also featuring Milton Berle. For and, the children out there listening. Yeah, good old Uncle Milty. <laughs> Joke book writer Milton Berle. I, the yeah. thing I loved about him, when Don Rickles in those roasts in like the 70s or 80s, all on YouTube, he would just destroy Milton Berle. And Milton Berle <laughs> would like get physical with him. Like He wanted to fight Don Rickles. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> And another person in New Faces of 1937 is an actress named Thelma Leeds, who would eventually become Mrs. Parkycarcus. And hey. they would have three sons together. Clifford Einstein, who would become like a big time art collector. Never heard of him. Yeah, he's he's not famous. Uh, then Bob Einstein. What? Get out of here. Also known. Super Dave? Yep. Super Dave Osborne. Uh, Yahoo! He, he would go on the right for the Smothers Brothers and uh, create a signature character, Super Dave Osborne, and later Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah. As- that, there's that great joke he does on Curb Your Enthusiasm about <laughs> it was le- in front of Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, uh, I'm actually I have a clip of that later. Okay. Shut up. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's that's I, I don't it's such a weird joke and and Jerry <laughs> stay that's tuned. The, that's the best acting I've ever seen him do or he's legitimately disgusted. Yeah. Uh, uh, stay tuned at the end of the episode. Okay. You will hear that joke. Yes. I'm jumping too quick. No, that's good. That's a good preview. Okay. So good. a little tease. You've been previewed. Yeah. You you're playing with the <laughs> Never mind. I'm teasing you. You're playing with the carrot. (laughs) I'm shaving your carrots off. Quit shaving my carrot over here. Hey, I'm trying to shave my fucking carrot in here, Ma, okay? And then the third son is Albert Einstein, a.k.a. Albert Brooks. Oh, for a second I thought it was a nuclear physicist. No, (laughs) not to be confused with. Yeah. I mean, what what a sense of humor. Name your kid Albert Einstein. That's pretty over the top. Yeah. So he changed it to Brooks. Yeah, you would have to change your name. And for you young folk out there, Albert Brooks started out doing stand-up and he made short films that were shown on in the early episodes of Saturday Night Live and movies like Modern Romance, Defending Your Life, and Mother. Legendary comedian. And we have a clip of Albert talking about his father. Oh, let's get into it. When you started doing comedy, your comedy was autobiographical. Right. I never told jokes. I don't think I've ever told a joke in my life. Right. So, so this more autobiographical approach was really different from where your father was coming from, where he he didn't even play his own ethnic group, let alone talk about his life. Absolutely. And, and uh, that's exactly right. Well, my father died when I was 11, but I still, you know, remember that it was okay to, you know, be funny. Even though he was off the air when I was born, we used to have these huge, you know, those big 16 inch records of all the radio shows and I would listen to it and uh, I sort of was able to see into show business early you know somehow I got it that it might not be exactly what you think it is so it doesn't have to be a bit with Greek dialect (laughs) well I like she's calling him out for basically doing Greek face like that's right. <laughs> like that's uh, it was a huge thing. At it's the time. subtle the way she puts it, but uh, you know, some people, some Greek people, might get offended at that. Maybe you know, it was a different time, so people are okay with it. And he clearly revered his father, but also for his own act, he wanted to go the complete other way. Yeah. So Harry Einstein's comedy partner Joe Penner, the want to buy a duck. Remember him? How could you forget? <laughs> yeah. Anyone else want to say, want to buy a duck? Want to buy a duck? Want to buy a duck? 
he died of a heart attack in 1941 at the age of 36. 36? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that's young. I that's, a year, even that's a year away. The yeah. guy be. barely got started in all these movies, oy, oy. perfects his act, and he's dead. Oof. Wow. So, yeah, that partnership officially ended. And by 1945, Harry's radio career starts cooking as his film career starts drying up. And so his first major uh, network radio show was Meet Me at Parkies. And this was a program that started out on NBC and then later broadcast on the Mutual Network. What is that? That is a bit, that was a big radio network at the time. Huh. Yeah. The Mutual? Yeah. Hmm. And sounds like a bank. No, it was a <laughs> radio station. You could not get a roll of quarters from them. Oh. And Variety <laughs> Variety at the time called the radio show Entertaining Corn. And we have a clip. A little backhanded so compliment there. Decide for yourself. Here we go. At least they're talking about it. Come along, everybody, to Parky's Restaurant. Meet me at Parky's and say hello to Betty Rose, Toby Case and his orchestra, and our genial host, Parky Cargan. Yeah, give it up. When I first joined the restaurant business years ago, all you had to know was how to fry eggs. Today, you got to be a smartified public accountant. All the taxes they got now, withholding tax, income tax, go tax, payroll tax, exercise tax, unemployment tax, sales tax. Boy, am I deep in the heart of taxes. <laughs> What? Yeah. Deep, deep in the heart of Texas. Instead oh, of, my God. Instead of deep in the heart of Texas. You get it? That is some semi-entertaining corn right there. Jeez. So in 1947, Harry Einstein was afflicted with severe back pain. Aren't we all? And, well, I'm not. I am. Jesus. I and a, my back is actually very good. My back's yeah. destroyed. <laughs> We're just leaving Kyle out to yeah, hang I'm out on that branch by myself. <laughs> yeah, Put yeah, yeah, my carrot over here. <laughs> and so he finally goes into surgery in 1947 at what was then known as Cedars of Lebanon before merging with the Mount Sinai hospitals oh, and becoming hospital Cedars Sinai. Oh, How's okay. that? I thought you were going to say it's like Cedars, but in Lebanon. No, no. But I, that would make sense that that was the original. It was the big yeah. hospital here in Los Angeles. And the doctors botched a routine procedure on his back, which left him mostly confined to a wheelchair. Ooh, yikes. Well, Cedars, I think, has gotten a little bit better since then. And hey, park your caucus in that wheelchair, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Deep in the heart of taxes. Hey. Dr. Sarno, John Sarno was not around then, unfortunately, because <laughs> John Sarno would have told Harry that the back pain was fake and in his head. Who is that the one who killed Michael Jackson? Who's no, that? no. He's revolutionized back pain oh, okay. healing. And I like you throw out that reference as yeah, if I would know him. I, he, he's a famous. <laughs> you should you should know him. Okay. And that story also made me think of that that Dr. Death guy. There's a show currently on with Kevorkian? Christian Slater. No, no, um, Christopher Dunst. He was the psychopathic neurosurgeon who maimed and killed over 30 patients in Texas. They get a whole thing on Peacock about it. Oh. Yeah, it sounds like he did park your carcasses surgery. <laughs> so as his star was fading... There was this other comedian who brazenly stole his act. Dane Cook? And, um, <laughs> Carlos Mencia? <laughs> <laughs> no, this dude started appearing on TV as Park Your Carcass. Oof. Dave Einstein recalls seeing this guy on TV with his dad, and his dad was pissed. I'd be kicking that guy's ass. It's, it's exactly like how Gallagher felt, I'm sure. Gallagher, when he, too. When he saw Gallagher, too, <laughs> gallivanting around. But that's his brother, though, right? That would piss me off even more. <laughs> yeah. I would pay right now to see Gallagher. I think I would like to see. I just want to see for myself. You know what? Of someone on. who almost died on stage. He had a heart attack on stage. Did he really? Oh, yeah. There's video of it. Oh, wow. Really? It's, yeah, it's hilarious. When was He's this? Uh, 2010. Wow. Oh, my God. It was the year I did the uh, Detroit Comedy Fair. I had a bit about it. <laughs> What's your bit? <laughs> Uh, it was all about, um, pressure's on. Yeah. <laughs> Gallagher looks like wasting food and stand up comedy and heart attack and heart disease. I was like, that's the 
trifecta of like American things all <laughs> happening on stage at one time. Right. I was like, the only thing that would make it more American is if they wrapped him in a flag, deep fried him, and shot him out of a fucking cannon at a uh, uh, country music monster truck gun show. Oh, okay. <laughs> nailed it at the end. Yeah, yeah got it. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. He still remembers the beats of the bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just that like was it. it was yesterday. Yeah. And then Kyle dies on stage doing that. Oh, God. That would be so <laughs> meta of you. <laughs> so throughout the 1950s, Harry's only showbiz appearances were at Friars Club Rose because that was the easiest thing for him to do. It wasn't very taxing. It wasn't like Dick Sean, you know. So he's soup for you. Yeah, he, he he became an expert roaster, and he roasted a ton of celebrities, including Eddie Cantor, Jackie Gleason, and Phil Silvers, the king of chutzpah. You got fucking chutzpah, kid. So that's cool, right? Hell yeah, yeah. And so here we go: Harry Einstein, back pain, mainly in a wheelchair. 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 The big roast, mm. November twenty third, nineteen fifty eight. It's the Friars Club roast of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz at the Beverly Hilton. Couple legends. Yeah, in in Beverly Hills. It's a fundraiser for a Burmese leper colony, and I'm not making that up. (laughs) That was like the bullshit cause of the time. You know, there's always one, but that even seems like one they they would be doing today. Because it's so yeah, obscure. Right. A yeah. leper, and how do you even check up on I that? I once was uh, catering a job in Santa Monica. One of these absurd ones that- um, There was a leper colony there? No. They, they were doing <laughs> a um, fundraiser for like the fetuses of cheetahs in like the, the northern Laos or something. <laughs> Just the most obscure- Croatian <laughs> cheetah fetuses. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking there was Christopher from Sopranos. And he was speaking, wow. and he looked like he he was like the character Christopher from Sopranos. He didn't want to be there, but he had to like do some like you Michael know, Imperioli. Hard, yeah, Michael yeah. Imperioli. And it was just funny to sit there like pretending to work at this catering job and like <laughs> laughing on the inside as Christopher uh, from Sopranos does this dumb thing for the. The cheetah fetuses of uh, <laughs> oh, northern geez. Laos. Yeah, who cares about the homelessness problem right here at home? That let's fix the cheetah fetuses in Laos. Uh, hey, Don, we need to do something about the cheetah fetuses. Yeah, put them in the gabagool. Put them in the gabagool. <laughs> yeah, hey, I tried that already. <laughs> anyway. So at the Beverly Hilton, there's an audience of about 1,200 spectators. That's pretty good. And it's the largest in Friars history. And this is the West Coast Friars, not to be confused with the East Coast Friars. Yeah. New York City, baby. Yeah, it's like a Biggie Tupac kind of it's thing. Like a battle. Yeah. And so the roast master was a guy named Art Linkletter, who was a big time, you know, showman. He sounds familiar, actually. He was all over the place in the 60s and 70s. And interesting side note his daughter, Diane Linkletter, took acid in 1969 and jumped off a building and died. Oh, my God. And that was a big scandal. Yikes. That's what everyone would do when they were on acid. They would just, you know, jump from a building, and then your mom would tell you about it. Yeah. I I can fly. Yeah. My mom was at UMass. She said someone uh, jumped off the top of one of those towers there. Yeah. I've heard that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Awful way to go, I would think. Yeah. Or fun. Or fun. Before you hit. Yeah. You die on stage, too. (laughs) <laughs> right. Not as much fun as Tommy Cooper had. Right? Yeah. And so at the time of this roast, uh, the final season of I Love Lucy just wrapped. Mm-hmm. They were still at the top of the ratings. And this uh, whole show was going to be re- it was being recorded for a radio special that was going to air to celebrate the 10th anniversary of the Fires Club of Beverly Hills. Mm hmm. Show gets started. Uh, a singer named Tony Martin, who was popular at the time, and sang a parody about Desi Lou Productions, which was Desi and Lucy's production company. Mm-hmm. The fact that it was this big cash cow. Dean Martin was there too, by the way. No relation. His cousin. Can you imagine being Tony Martin next to Dean Martin? Like, how do you even compete? Kill yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's why over. even bother? Yeah. Is that like the, that's not like the Frank Stallone or something? Like, of that, like, there's no, no, there's I don't, no there's relation. No, relation. no, no. Uh, yeah. he, but he, you know, he was a successful singer, so whatever. Yeah. Who cares? 
and Milton Berle recycled some old jokes that he's told a million times. Yeah. And uh, Dean Martin made a couple of leopard jokes. Yeah. Not kidding around. Hilarious. And George Burns performed. And had cigar. Yeah, and had the audience roaring. So that's a pretty good lineup, isn't it? It's a great lineup. So Linklater then introduced the next roaster, Park Yakarkis. Hey. Oh, boy. And Linklater said, quote, Many of you will remember when we were stealing money in the business called Radio a few years ago. There was a bright comedy star named Park Yakarkis, who every week managed to convulse everybody, and who with his Greek dialect has done for the Greeks what Desi has done for the Cubans. Set back the United States relations with them about a century. (laughs) (laughs) I want you to meet a great guy and a fine friar. And so Harry takes the stage. Albert, all of 11 years old at the time, had helped him tighten up the routine the night before. (laughs) Really? Yeah, this was according to Brooks himself. And so leaning on the podium and overlooking the eager audience who are all warmed up now and ready for laughs, he performs and he's at the top of his game. He starts out saying, quote, It is indeed a very great honor for me to have been asked to sit up here tonight on the dais, which is made up perhaps of the greatest array of theatrical talent in the world, end quote. He's not kidding there. And then he refers to the guests of honor as Danny Arnaz and Lucille Bowles. <laughs> and he went on to say that he's excited to welcome them into the Friars Club because he knows what a prominent club man Arnaz is. <laughs> and then he says, I have the great satisfaction of belonging to several exclusive clubs with him, such as the Diners Club, the Book of the Month Club, and the Automobile Club of Southern California. Hello! Hello, is this thing on? And so the audience, is they're loving him at this point. (laughs) That's what passed off as like crushing material. Yeah. So, like I said, this was being recorded for a special, and enough of me. Let's get to him saying it himself. This is the actual recording of the roast. All right. But you must not think that the Friars Club is an easy club to get into. (laughs) Quite to the contrary, it is most difficult. Before a prospective candidate has even issued an application, he must first satisfy us, beyond any question of a doubt, that he is either a resident (laughs) or a non-resident of the state of California. Yeah, the funniest thing they ever heard. Yeah, Jesus. Not, not even Sweden. He then must be proposed by and then vouched for by at least two men who are listed in the phone book. <laughs> They they won't stop laughing. They the best audience ever. Yeah, yeah. So you can hear the audience is absolutely eating it up, eating Jeez. it up, and you know they're happy to see this guy who hasn't been around much the past few well, years. He yeah. probably had a great opener right before it. I, who it was, D. Martin or someone like that. Yeah, I think they were just primed. Yeah, they're it, they're warmed up for sure. We are now able to offer our members many social as well as cultural features. Besides a fine steam room, we have a brand new sun deck, spacious game rooms, and we've recently completed a beautiful new library. And someday soon, we hope to get a book. We've also recently installed the largest pool in the entire West. Not a swimming pool, a football pool. (laughs) Count me in. Yeah, (laughs) me and Kyle are in a football pool. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. so it's still relevant. How's that? Then he goes into his closing. So, Daisy, we sincerely hope that you will be using the facilities of our club very often. And Lucy, while ladies' nights at the Friars are traditionally Thursdays and Saturdays, we love you, so you can come anytime. Thank you very much. Yeah.
So standing ovation at this point. And it goes on. And now our link later comes back. I've seen Harry at a dozen of these friars of benefits and fairs, and every time he finishes, I always ask myself, why isn't he on the air in a prime time? At this point, everybody is still standing up, and then Harry takes his seat. Mm. Uh, and I, I want to mention that in Park Your Carcass's closing, he made a reference to Lucy, you, you, you're welcome anytime in my book. The Friars Club was very much a boys club at that time. Mm. So they didn't actually have an official me- female member paying dues until Gloria Allred in 1988. Oh, that, yeah. That attorney. Yeah. yeah. I met her. Did you? Yeah. How? Uh, I was going to sue my boss. And I got recommended to her, and I actually went and like met her in her office and everything. Wow! wow. But she's oh, that like, was the uh, she's like you're not a woman, so I didn't get the case with her. Wait, oh, what? My... Yeah. So she so she had a girls' club while she's got a while she was club. trying to get into the boys' club. Yeah, she's the feminist. Yeah, I know, lawyer but... that's like always taking on the bad boys that need to learn. <laughs> but why? <laughs> Surely she can take another case. Like, can I once take my case? And she's like, no. Well, her daughter was uh, was representing Harvey Weinstein. Bloom, I did not something know that. Bloom. I forget. She was representing Harvey, hey, Harvey Weinstein. Judy Bloom. Oh, super fudge! Wait, that's no, 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 it's no not. different. Bloom, Lisa Bloom. Yeah, it, it that's her daughter. Unless I'm wrong. Can you look that up, Kyle? Yeah, quick, real quick, because that's crazy. If that's her daughter, was it Lisa Bloom? You're right about the name, but yeah, yeah, yeah. wow, that's her daughter. Yeah, well, so she got she... a lot of heat because she's like, oh, Harvey Weinstein's this and that. You're like, wait a second, your daughter is representing this scumbag. She's Louise. So, all right, that's Gloria Allred's family there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the friar Gloria Allred. Wow. And so, after Linklater's kind words, asking, you know, why isn't he on TV anymore? Einstein turns, uh, he turns to Burl, who's seated next to him, and says, yeah, how come? And the crowd is still roaring, ovation still standing, and Harry stands up and takes a bow three times. And then when he sits back down the last time, his face starts to turn a different color. He lets out a deep breath, shuts his eyes. And then slumps over into Burl's lap. Oh. I don't know his carrot. Could you think of a worse place to go than Milton Burl's lap when you're <laughs> ending your life? Oh my God. And so he is motionless now. And then Milton Burl shouts out that kind of classic sounding line Is there a doctor in the house? <laughs> and like the Dick Sean performance, this receives a laugh from some people oh, who thought it was a joke. And then Art Linklater, the MC, he takes to the mic again and says, ladies and gentlemen, we have a little medical accident here. And then the actor Ed Wynn, who he was in the movie Mary Poppins and voiced the Mad Hatter, among other things, Hmm. um, he runs up to the stage and yells, put his head down. Which would do what exactly? Uh... (laughs) Help him die? Well, get, it yeah. off, get it off Milton Burrow's lap. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what he should have yelled. Yeah. Get him away from Uncle Milty. <laughs> and so Harry's wife, Thelma, then runs to her husband's side and she grabs nitroglycerin tablets from his pocket. They're like to kickstart the heart. And she tried to put them in his mouth, but then his teeth were clenched and she couldn't do it. Several prominent doctors and physicians were in the audience because, you know, it's Beverly Hills. And so those physicians and doctors then carry Harry backstage. And one surgeon cuts his chest open with a pen knife in order to massage the heart. And then another guy, he makes a makeshift That's like a house move right there. Like, you know, the (laughs) physician house. Yeah. And another guy makes a makeshift defibrillator from a ripped lamp cord. And he administers electric shocks. Who the hell knows how to do that? I, you know, can you imagine? Like, hey, you see that lamp? Bring it over here. And then, oh my god! Zzz, so what? There's like, there's like 15 people doing open heart surgery. Yeah, and just right trying new things. Let me try this. Let yeah. me try this. Uh, oh, I mean, they, they cut his chest Did open. Did they have ambulances back then? Did they not take? Well, it's on its way. They, yeah. But they're acting fast here. Like a rib separator. Like how the fuck do you get to his heart? <laughs> you got to cut yeah, the you gotta, bone. You yeah, gotta, you got to do that whole thing Oof. where you separate the ribs and. Maybe someone was holding it open. 
they must have had like some pretty high level surgeons there that yeah. knew what they were doing. And apparently, or other some pe- one real confident psychopath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. He stayed at a uh, Holiday Inn Express the night before. I'm I'm being inspired by how the dumb jokes that I've heard from these guys that I'm saying stuff like that. And apparently, there were several other people that offered the nitroglycerin tablets from the audience. Like, he wasn't the yeah. only one that carried them. Yeah, yeah and he's, that's probably for a guy who's like, in case I die tonight, oh, yeah. great, you're going to take him and throw him in his mouth? Cool. Maybe. So I can yeah. fucking die now? Yeah, I wonder if he knew, like, he was, like, kind of fucked up and, like, things are, he was on shaky health you know, feet that those well, he was, yeah. he was, he was a sickly guy, Harry. Einstein. No, like, like he was towards the end. Maybe sometimes the doctor could say, if you go to this roast, you could die. Oh, <laughs> like, like the movie, the wrestler. Yeah. Like yeah. this is his wrestler move. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, like he goes out there knowing he's at the end of his life and this could be the last moment, but he wants to do this roast and fall in Milton bro's lap. Sorry, uh, doc. Yeah. <laughs> I got to let him know I'm deep in the hot of taxes. <laughs> <laughs> and then a Bruce Springsteen song comes on. <laughs> Doing the roast for the fans. Was that the wrestler song? I don't know. I don't know. I, was, I, was I didn't to know think. he did a special song for the wrestler. He did a special song for the wrestler. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I don't remember how that song went. Ooh, Clearly. Neither do I. All right. <laughs> Back in the main room, the mood remains somber. Mm. Friar Barry Merkin, in a documentary, he recalled how Lucy was in shock and she had her hands clamped to the table, not Mm -hmm. moving, and Desi was crying. And so in order to divert attention and lighten the mood, Milton Berle nudges Tony Martin to sing a song, you know, because he's a big (laughs) entertainer. So then Tony Martin now is he's put on the spot. He begins to sing one of his biggest hits. And you actually should just play the link before I say the name of the song. Oh my god. And does the audience partake in this? They many people knew right away that this was not the best song choice. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. I love when people think they have the best idea and it's just like, no, no, this is the worst song. So yeah, the song That's on Milton Burl though. Sing a song, Tony. Sing your favorite, sing your best song, and it's there's no tomorrow. Well, Tony Martin had other hits. Maybe he t- he probably told him to sing this song. Hey, what was his second choice, Mr. Sandman? Nice. That, I'm fucking <laughs> jam out to that. Don't fear the reaper. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, the doctors, eventually they emerge from backstage after about 80 minutes and their expressions showed no sign of hope. And Einstein was pronounced dead. Listen, we stuck a lamp in this guy's chest. He's just he hasn't woken up yet. Yeah, we've tried. And we have a clip. <laughs> about that moment. And Parky's wife went up to the day as she sat at the very end and when she saw the five doctors leave with their sleeves rolled up, very glum, she knew and oh God, she let out a screech. That was Barry Merkin. I think he was a heart doctor and he came and he opened him up and the fire department came and they tried everything. And... um, yeah, the realization finally came, you know. I said, Desi, um, this is our we might as well later. call this evening finished, but there is one important piece of business we have to do, and that is you have to get the award for you and Lucy, the gold <laughs> heart. And I handed it to him, and he got up and he said, uh, Ten minutes ago, this would be one of the most important moments my life and one of the most memorable awards we've ever had now it doesn't mean a goddamn thing (laughs) ouch yeah that's pretty heavy man imagine being there that night yeah you're having a really good time i mean you're you're banging tables and then the comedian dies in front of you literally yeah Yeah, i can imagine being that audience just like going home and just like you know and then trying to come to some realization that he wasn't looking that good anyway. You know, everyone right. dies and, you know, say <laughs> la vie. Yes. Interesting thing about that is uh, Bob Einstein, the son. Yeah. Here's his quote. Someone once said to me, well, at least your dad died doing what he loved. My dad was 54. I said, what does your mother do? He said, oh, she's a housewife. 
I said, let's go over to her house while she's doing the laundry and I'll blow her fucking head off. Jesus. At least she will have died doing what she loved. Oh my God. <laughs> How does he know she loved doing that? Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> we have a clip now of Bob Einstein on Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee talking about it with Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, nice. He gets up at the Simbal Desi Arnaz Rose to Beverly Hilton, kills the audience, sat down and died of a heart attack. I hear about it on the radio in the morning. Right. So I am. Uh, we good? I, it's a lot of. Okay, I'm just concerned about the sound. It's I like, just got to telling this story that almost makes me cry, and you turn to ass wipe and say, "Are we good?" <laughs> we got this. Okay. Uh, you got the sh- saying, "Let's make sure it's on tape because I go, oh, I go on with your story." But if you can't talk to anyone. I can't talk to another kid about my father dying when he's saying, I gotta go because I'm gonna play cash with my dad. Right, right, right. That's so sad. Is it possible to make any more noise in here? <laughs> Can we rebuild the place? What a great place to come. <laughs> At the funeral then. At the funeral, Milton Berle That's and uh, George Jessel. Because your father's a comedian, so all his friends are comedians. They did their act. Burl did his jokes. George Jessel did his jokes at my dad's funeral. And I hated it so much. <laughs> I hated it. Right. I hated I understand it. that. Oh, I'd be fucking. Yeah. I hate when comedians try to be like touching, but in like funny, in a, like Mr. Saturday Night, that Billy Crystal movie. It's just. Oh sad. yeah, that's yeah. embarrassing. It's, it's embarrassing. And um, the other son, Albert Brooks, not Albert Einstein anymore, Albert nope. Brooks. He said, "Quote: The interesting thing to me was that he finished. He could have died in the middle, but he didn't. He finished, and he was as good as he'd ever been in his life." Hmm. How how does how do you finish the roast and then die? Maybe right. naturally he timed it and he knew what when he would be done in some psychosomatic thing he knew he could die then because he was resting afterwards. Probably, yeah, yeah. But you'd think he'd say goodbye then because you have that thing when you're doing stand up as a former stand up. Um, <laughs> where, where you're up there, you're just like it doesn't matter. Like even if you're sick or like you're dying, like you'll get through that set. And then you'll sit down and just you collapse and die. Yeah. <laughs> like like in, in so many words, in so many ways or whatever. Yeah. yeah. It gives new meaning to that phrase, I'm dying up here. Come on. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that, that uh, amazing Showtime show that everyone watched. Um, <laughs> can I shit on that, Jim? Yeah, yes, you can. <laughs> Any movie or show about stand-up comedy is horrible. Yeah. And they, they never get the stand-ups right. No, yeah, they never, never get it right. The movie... Punchline with Tom Hanks is supposed to be one of the closer ones. With that movie? No, it's, yeah, I didn't I would, think so. I, I, it's no, pretty no, close. It is. Sally Field? Yeah. Punchline is probably the closest uh, to seeing how people are actually off stage and like dealing with it and all that well, stuff. Well, that part is yeah. different. Yeah. yeah. I do like, you know, um, Raging Bull when Robert De Niro is a stand up as Jake LaMotta. That's pretty mm. funny how just horrible, horrible he was. <laughs> uh, that seemed very realistic. Um, yeah. And then. Dustin Hoffman, when he played um, Lenny Bruce, Lenny Bruce was okay, you know, but it yeah. was just, it, I think Punchline was just from beginning to stardom. It seems very close. So Punchline is a greater film than Lenny from Bob Fosse. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> did you guys see that movie from a few years back called The Comedian with Robert De Niro? I skipped it. No. Oh, my God. You have got to see this movie. Is it terrible? <laughs> it is. Is it like Bad Grandpa, but he's doing stand-up? Oh, it's, it's yeah, it's like Bad Grandpa 2 with stand-up. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's just horribly entertaining. Because <laughs> I remember they went to Caroline's to do some of the scenes for that. And it has, like you know, that thing where, like, real comedians appear, make an appearance as his Ugh. buddies at the comedy, and they never seem like they're acting like themselves. Yeah. I, yeah, they're terrible. And it's always <laughs> a weird combination, like like Andy Dick and Judy Tenuta. It's like yeah. whoever they could get that day for filming. Like, who, look who's here now. I saw um, the roast of Robert De Niro. When no, was that? No, Alec Baldwin. I'm mm. sorry. Robert De Niro was sitting next to him. Yeah, and he was one of the uh, roasters. Yeah, and that was, you know, that was all right. I mean, 
it's over. It's uh, yeah, the roasts are over. Yeah, let's well, be honest. It's with been done. It's been long done. And so, um, while we're at it, I thought we'd do a little tribute to Dave Einstein. Sure, because he just died in 2019. And you know, like I mentioned before, he he was a writer. Wrote on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour, which was the hottest show at the time in the sixties. Yeah, and then he created that character Super Dave Osborne. Yahoo! First appeared on the John Biner Comedy Hour in the early seventies, and then became a fixture up until big on David Letterman. Recently, even on Jimmy Kimmel, yeah, and David Letterman everywhere. All the late night talk shows. He got TV specials and even a, a movie called The Extreme Adventures of Super Dave. Yeah, yes, which unfortunately was supposed to go to theaters, but then went straight to DVD in two thousand. I remember being a fan of his, but not knowing why. Well, yeah, because he was a, it was like a deadpan yeah. evil Knievel yeah. parody. I had one of the, I didn't have an evil Knievel guy on a motorcycle. I had Super Dave yeah. on a motorcycle when I was a kid. More oh, really? Toy, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so it's hilarious because he's always attempting dangerous stunts and failing spectacularly. And yeah. We have a little clip. Yeah. And then he just quits and doesn't do them. <laughs> um, I guess we're off now. Okay. okay yeah. uh, I'm not going to jump. They're on top they of a really uh, high listen, tower. I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna take the elevator down. I'll see I you down there. It. Okay. See you later. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> then, That's a stratosphere. Then he gets knocked off the tower by a, a door, and he's falling. Are you alright? Oh yeah, John. I'm just fine. Got your touch. Goodness, I couldn't believe this terrible, terrible fall, but you seem to be all right. Are you going to be all right? Why are you talking to me? I need an ambulance. <laughs> That's a typical Super Dave bit. <laughs> so me, neither him or Albert Brooks are really like regular stand-up comedians. They're kind of just like... You know, yeah, really. And stuff. Yeah, that's true. They, they do they, parodies they, they, and bits and stories about their lives. And they turn the form on its head a bit. Yeah. And then, of course, he went on to play Marty Funkhauser on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Hey. Yeah. And one of his greatest moments is in uh, an episode during the Seinfeld reunion season. So the script called for Funkhauser to approach Jerry. <laughs> on set and tell him a dirty joke <laughs> this is great so good a woman's very afraid of the size of her opening what is she afraid of the size of her opening <laughs> so she goes to her mother she says what am i going to do i'm so big down there when i marry harry he's going to divorce me her mother says don't worry sweetheart it runs in the family do what i did when i married your father go to the market get some raw liver put it in there and never know the difference oh my god so she does <laughs> they have eight hours of sex after their marriage she wakes up at 10 o'clock, he's gone, but there's a note on her pillow. It says, my darling Harriet, to think that I waited a year to consummate our love relationship makes my heart beat so loudly, I'm surprised it didn't wake you up. The only reason I'm not here now, darling, is I'm at work to make enough money to buy you a house, a picket fence, we'll have dogs and children. Ah, oh, this is not so bad. Oh, yeah, this is great. Will you finish the fucking joke already? <laughs> Five o'clock dinner bell rings, I will be home like the winged gossamer of your love in your arms, your loving husband, oh, Harry. that's nice. P.S. Your cunt is in the sink. <laughs> oh man and i heard that jerry was not aware of the joke he was gonna tell that's hilarious that's why i not. thought it was his best acting because it, he really is just like thrown off by it wow yeah that's, that's great. hilarious if that's the case so that's dave einstein what a family you know my Albert God. Brooks, Dave Einstein, their dad is Harry Parkyakarkis Einstein. That's crazy. I think that's almost inspiring, though. Like, if you're 11 years old and your dad dies on stage at a roast, like, I don't know. It, it's something about, obviously, it sucks to not have your dad around, but, like, if, if you are going into that endeavor mm -hmm. of uh, comedy or that world, you know, that's legendary. And that's a good in in the business. I'm not saying it's good that it uses that um, to get in the door at SNL or whatever they did. It sounds like a punchline almost, like yeah. a guy drops dead after killing at a roast. Yeah. And it was 1958. It's just like so long ago. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's one of those kind of forgotten comedians. Yeah. <sighs> well, that's the story. Wow. Folks. That's how it went down. Of lo lovely Pachycacus. Packy Cackis all went down at the Hollywood Hilton. No, the Hilton. Beverly, Beverly Hilton. Hilton. Beverly Hilton. Yeah. And you know who else died there is Whitney Houston. Oh, shit. Oh. In a bathtub. Yeah. Wow. 
Not quite on stage. No, not quite on stage. Yeah. <laughs> and then her daughter died in a bathtub, too. Yeah. Very odd. Yeah. So and Albert then... Brooks has a chance. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Jeez. I mean, he's got to do stand-up again, so that's not going to yeah, happen. So don't worry too. about it. Everybody yeah. relax. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they probably avoided doing roasts most of their career. Yeah. Probably steer cl- steered clear of that. I don't think they do much, though. I heard Albert Brooks was going to do WTF with Mark Marin, but he wanted to get paid. He deserves that at this point. I mean, Obama was on, and you're going to ask for money after that? But I respect that, though. You know, shaking Mark Marin down for money. Pay me. Pow! I got no money for you. All right, do we have a message for anybody? Whew. Be careful out there when you're doing stand-up at Rose. Yeah. Uh, Instagram slash death and entertainment. Uh, that's pretty much all we have. Twitter, we have a Twitter. I just found. Do we out. have a Twitter? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm doing the Twitter. It's uh, Diepod2021. Boom. At Diepod2021. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll have to follow us. Yeah. <laughs> you're like not even on social media. I'm, I, I will I join social media as soon as I can. We are now available on every single streaming platform. That's. All the way from iTunes, Apple Podcasts, to Google Podcasts, to Spotify. And YouTube. And YouTube. YouTube, is it Death and Entertainment? Yes. Perfect. We got a lot of things up there. We got uh, some of the clips that we've played uh, during the show that you can go check out over there before everything gets put onto the Patreon. So go check it out now. Uh, and I think that's about it. We got more reps coming up. More reps. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Yes. Thank See you. you next week. Adios. Peace. Boston. You have just heard a true Hollywood murder mystery. I have never seen anything like this before. Movies, Broadway, music, television, all of it. A place that manufactures nightmares. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. Good night. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon.